Well, our subject matter tonight is the resurrection from the dead. And our opening text, as it has been in this series of lessons on building wisely, is found in the book of Hebrews chapter 6. And uh, the writer of the book of Hebrews is making an appeal unto the Hebrew believers and unto us, therefore, because uh, we're part of the church and this is a letter that is that is written to the church. And so let's see what scripture has to say here. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God, of the doctrine of baptism, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. Verse 3, in this we will do if God permits. And I believe that God is very permissible. As we uh, get rooted and grounded in these fundamentals, we'll have a really firm foundation of faith in our life and be able to serve the Lord, I believe, with a good conscience and with good confidence. We've talked about the order of uh, these first principles and how important they are. It all begins with repentance, that we're convicted of our sin and we turn away from our dead works and put our faith in Christ. Uh, We then display a desire to be baptized. Uh, The multiple baptisms that are mentioned in Scripture were baptized and placed into the body of Christ, were baptized in water as an outward expression of what God has done inwardly in our spirit, were baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire to be an effective witness for the Lord. And then last week, we looked at something that's very personal to the Lord, the laying on of hands, the doctrine or the teaching of the laying on of hands. And that I find that to be a very warm and welcoming side of, of these doctrines because it speaks that God wants us, us to know how much we're cared for. And so there's reasons that we lay hands on individuals. People that aren't well, we lay hands on the sick and they recover. People that are being prepared for ministry, we lay hands on them and God adds his blessing to it. There is the the multiple facet ministry of the laying on of hands. and But we also are instructed not to lay hands on people suddenly, you know, but to prove things out. And then at the appropriate time and with the Holy Spirit's direction, we can lay hands on people. Laying on of hands isn't the cure for all that ails us, but it is one of the ways in which God ministers to those. It's one of the ways that we see people receive the baptism or the fullness of the Spirit. And hands were laid on them, and and they spoke in a new tongue. And so there's many, many expressions of the laying on of hands. And so it really talks about a personal touch and something that is very endearing to us. But tonight we're going to talk about a very powerful doctrine, uh, the resurrection from the dead. So when I say powerful, let me remind you, we're talking about the greatest power that's ever been displayed or ever will be displayed is the resurrection power of God. The resurrection, we talk about the creative power of God when he created everything that we see. But when we talk about resurrection, we're talking about bringing something that is dead back to life. It's, it, it was one thing when God saw chaos in the beginning and he created something out of nothing. But when there is nothing and he raises it from the dead, that is power in manifestation. And so our, our uh, opening text is, I, I want you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're not going to read the entirety of this chapter, but I've given it uh, to you in your notes uh, to look at. 
And uh, the word resurrection uh, means to stand again, to stand upright, to be raised from the dead. And our belief in Jesus' resurrection is the bedrock of our salvation. And Paul, writing to the church, gives us these words about the resurrection. And once again, the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians is the resurrection chapter. It speaks very specifically about this subject matter. But for tonight, we're going to look at verses 20 down through 26. It says, But now Christ is risen from the dead. And has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Fallen asleep means those that have previously passed away. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all died, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. So in verse 22, he's clarifying what he communicated in verse 21. Let me remind you that in verse 20, God specifically communicates that when someone passes away, it's as if they're sleeping. Well, if someone is sleeping, won't they rise from their sleep? You go to bed every night and you pray to the Lord your soul to keep. And when you rise the next day, the goal is to rise the next day, correct? You go to sleep with the expectation of rising in the morning. And this is where we have to understand that in the Lord's eyes, people are asleep. Now, they may be separated from us physically, but they're asleep is how he communicates it in Scripture. And that gives us great comfort and consolation. He goes on and he says in verse 23, but each one in his own order, talking about the resurrection, Christ, the first fruits after those who are Christ at his coming. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom of God the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and all power, uh, for he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. Paul is summarizing uh, chronologically what's going to happen, that there's a first and a second and then in another resurrection. We're going to look at those here in a minute more specifically. But what he's saying is that, that in order for one to happen, something has to occur, and it's Christ fulfilling all in all in each one of these resurrections. And so as we get into this subject matter, uh, we may not be able to completely uh, unfold or really talk about all of them extensively. But here you see in verse 24, once again, let me go to verse 23. And Paul is reminding us that there's an order in which resurrection is going to occur. Christ is the first fruits. He also wrote to the church in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 18 that Jesus is the firstborn among many brethren. So if there's a firstborn, wouldn't there be a secondborn? If there's the first fruits, wouldn't there be the second and the third fruits? In other words, Christ has preeminence. He was the first to be resurrected, never to die again. But there's going to be others that will experience that same resurrection power. Now, Scripture in both the Old and New Testament talks about people that were resurrected, but then they eventually passed away, correct? But there is a resurrection where we will never pass away, but we will be clothed with a new body and we will forever be with the Lord. But in order for 
us to experience resurrection, Christ had to be resurrected first. It's a principle that Jesus or God only gives what he has. So God had a son and he gave him. God raised his son and therefore God is a resurrector. You see in your notes that Jesus, when he raised Lazarus from the dead, it brought tremendous comfort to Mary and Martha who were grieving and sorrowful at the time. And Jesus said unto them, I am the resurrection. It's one of his titles. It's not something that he does. It's something and someone that he is. He is the resurrection. You, you hang around with Jesus and things come to life in your life. Uh, and this is a very important principle is that our God takes things that are lifeless and dead and through his power, he raises them up. God thing, takes things that are lifeless and dead, and through his power, he raises them up. So I'm just sort of wetting your whistle for some things we'll talk about momentarily. But once again, this is a tremendous truth in Scripture that sometimes uh, we're aware of, but we have to understand the order in which th- things take place. And then he says in verse uh, 23, afterwards, those who are Christ at his, what's the next word there? His coming, his coming. Now, there's two comings of Christ that are still to occur. The first is when he appears in the heavens, and that is his coming, and that will be the catching away or what is called the rapture of the church. But then there is the second coming of the Lord when he actually comes And he puts his feet back here on the earth, on the Mount of Olivet, and he rules and reigns for a thousand years. So we have his coming. His coming is in twofold. One, to gather his church, and the second, at his second coming, he will be coming with those that he gathered the first time, but he will also be Others will be experiencing resurrection at the second coming of Christ. And who are those people? Those are the people who have been martyred or who have given their life during the tribulation. That they will experience resurrection and we will be gathered together and will rule and reign with the Lord here for a thousand years. And then there's the third resurrection that we'll talk about here uh, momentarily. But And then verse 24, then comes the end. Well, the end sometimes doesn't denote the end as in everything is finished. It's the end of that particular dispensation. It's the end of that particular event when the Lord comes. And then he says, when he delivers the kingdom of God the Father, and then the kingdom will be delivered and God will be all in all, and the kingdom of our God will be the kingdom of our Lord and Savior forever and ever. Uh, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and all power. This is, this is talking about Christ coming with a sword in his mouth. And, uh, and there's going to be a, a tremendous uh, overthrow of authority. And he will be established and the governments will be on his shoulder. And he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. And he denotes what the last enemy is so that we know when it is actually come to fruition. The last enemy that will be destroyed is what? Death. Is death. 
So let's take a look here for a minute at uh, the different resurrections in the New Testament. I I want you to uh, turn to John's gospel. Jesus is teaching here, and uh, he gives us a foretaste of something by uh, through this teaching. In verse 28 and 29 of John's gospel, chapter 5, he says, Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation or condemnation or judgment. So here Jesus is, is being very specific is that there is going to be a day in history when uh, the graves are going to be opened up and the righteous and the unrighteous will be resurrected. So the resurrection of the saved, this is one of the resurrections that the New Testament talks about. That's the rapture, the catching away of the church. You're in John's gospel. If you just turn back to Matthew's gospel, chapter 24, I want to read verse 29 through 31. It says, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the heavens and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a great sound of the trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds and from one end of heaven to the other. Notice it's very specific. Jesus does not come to the earth during this particular time. In in history, what he does is he's in the clouds and he's gathering from the four winds all of his beloved. So this is not this is not the resurrection or the rapture or the catching away of everyone, just those believers. Now, Paul writes more specifically about this in First Corinthians chapter 13 and gives us some very good instruction. And you have that scripture noted in your notes Number two, the resurrection of the righteous at the end of the tribulation. And we'll go to the book of Revelation for this particular reading. The book of Revelation, chapter 20, and verse 4 and 5. And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. And then I saw souls of those who had been beheaded for the witness to Jesus and for the word of God who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their forehead or on their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. When it uses the word first there, it's, it, it doesn't denote as far as chronologically, it means the first of the last of the two resurrections. It's an interesting way that the translators put it there but there is first the catching away of the church and then there is a season on the earth known as the tribulation this is specifically what the book of revelation chapter 20 is talking about right now when people would be martyred for their faith they would not receive the mark of the beast they would not follow the antichrist they would not submit to his authority and they were killed or martyred because of their faith. So there's people that initially will be caught away. And at that moment, then what? who is left behind? Who is left behind? Well, those that did not 
put their faith in Christ. But during that tribulation period, there's going to be untold numbers of people that put their faith in Christ. There's going to be Bibles that are left. There's going to be podcasts that are left. There's going to be all kinds of resources that people can gather and try to figure out what in the world just happened on planet Earth because there are millions of people that aren't here anymore. And at that moment, it's going to cause those that are inquisitive to begin to search. And they're going to pull out Bibles that were left behind and resources that were left behind. And in those days and in those hours, the Holy Spirit is going to be convicting them and bringing them to faith in Christ. Well, when Christ comes the second time to rule and reign, which this scripture talks about for a thousand years here on the earth, the millennial reign of Christ, these people are going to be resurrected. So we're coming back with Christ. And then there's a whole group of people that put their faith in Christ during the tribulation period, and they're going to be resurrected and we're going to rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years. But then he said, there's one more resurrection. And that's at the end of that thousand years. There's the next, which is the resurrection of the unrighteous at the end of the millennial reign of Christ and Revelation chapter 20 and verse 11 through 15 gives us some insight about this particular resurrection and this is one that we don't have to be concerned about as Christians but we can warn others they don't want to be a part of this particular resurrection because it's not a very good place to be this is where they will be resurrected, the unrighteous, and they will stand before the great white throne judgment of God. Now, we as believers will not be there. We stand before the throne of God, but not this great white throne judgment. And verse 11 in chapter 20 in Revelation says, Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged each according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, and anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And this is known as the second death. Wow. So this brings us to a place where we need to pause And rejoice in how faithful and how good God is. He gives everyone space to repent. He gives everyone room to place their faith in Christ. He is long-suffering. He is patient. He is merciful. How am I so convinced that these resurrections will take place? Because everything else that is written about anything that's ever happened in the redemptive work of God has already happened. So I am going to believe the book. I'm going to believe the Bible. Because everything in the Bible that seems to be like almost otherworldly has already happened. And there are people who will mock and scoff. Peter talks about that. It's part of the end time narrative. They will say, where is the coming of the Lord? 
ever since the beginning, things have always been as they've always been. They will always be what they'll always be. Little do they know, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, everything will change. It will be too late at that moment to call upon the name of the Lord. A twinkling of an eye, you cannot make an intentional decision at that moment. That's why every decision for Christ must be made under conviction of the Holy Spirit that leads to repentance, that has fruit, that leads us to follow him. And we know that we're not perfect in following him, but hopefully we're faithful in following him. Even when we've fallen away, hopefully we come back to our first love. Hopefully we remember the one who loved us first and return to him. I want to finish with a great portion of scripture that impacts us today. This is resurrection power for today. How many of you could use some resurrection power for today? Something in your life that needs the touch of God, something in your emotions, something in your relationships, something in your body, something in your bank account, (laughs) whatever it might be. Let me give you this promise because resurrection power is available to us today. It is something we will experience one day, and what a day that'll be. But we don't have to wait for a particular day because the book of Romans chapter 8 and verse 11 says this, But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, so first of all, we have to answer this question. Is that your reality? And I believe for everyone in this room, we could say, yes, that's your reality. If that's your reality, then you're a candidate to receive a quickening of the Spirit of God. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give, what's the next word? Life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Now, that power, that power helps us. Quickens us is what the King James says. It quickens us or makes us alive. That's what resurrection is all about, is life. You have the life of God in you. And the life of God in you quickens this mortal body, causes it to to have vibrancy. I love the account, and I'll close with this, of the testimony of Joshua and Caleb. I love their testimony that uh, they got older, but they just got stronger. I love the testimony of Moses. Moses, as he aged, he says, my eyes haven't dimmed. The Apostle Paul says there's resurrection power available. You don't have to wait to be in the grave to experience it, even though one day we will, if that's the Lord's plan. But right now you can be quickened because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. That power, that life is available for you. You feel slow and sluggish. I know people that have headaches. Thank you, Lord, for your touch. Back aches, back problems, herniated disc, bulging disc. The life of God is greater than anything that's going on in our physical body. This is the greatest display of power, and it's available. It'll quicken your mortal body. You don't need five-hour energy. You need to learn how to tap into the energy and the life of Jesus Christ that's in you, the resurrected power. Now, it doesn't hurt to get a nap as we get older. Thank God for naps. (laughs) and I can get a witness. Yeah, our our physical body is, is growing older, but the life that's in this physical body sustains us until that day that we go home to be with the Lord. Resurrection power is working in you today. The same power, not different power, the same power.
same power that raised Christ from the dead. Thank God for this truth. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641-828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.